0: Welcome to the Innovation and in Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft. Each month, we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now, here's your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Chris Townsend, the Vice President of U.S. Public Sector Sales at Elastic. Chris, always a pleasure to catch up. Good to see you again.
1: Great to see you, Jason. I think it's been couple years or so. So uh, thank you for having me back on. I appreciate it.
0: Well, there's a lot to catch up on, especially what you're doing at Elastic. So but let me first set a little context for our discussion today. June was the four-year anniversary of the federal data strategy. It's clear just how much progress agencies have made since OMB released that initial vision. Each agency has a chief data officer. They have their own data strategies for the most part. Governance and frameworks have been taking shape over the last few years. Agencies are starting to see that impact of the work. And the federal data strategy calls for agencies to use data to drive decisions or operationalize their data. All of that is starting to come into focus. And when you add the advancements of artificial intelligence, machine learning, automation, having the right data at the right time, ensuring it's accessible by the right people, that becomes more important than ever. The IT Innovation Foundation found in a report from last June that agencies need help to advance their maturity model outlined in a 2021 update to the federal data strategy. ITIF says agencies still need a lot of help to better understand which tools and techniques are most appropriate for them and their customers and how to prioritize data insights that are most important for their own missions. For some of those solutions to those big challenges, Chris Townsend, the Vice President of US Public Sector Sales at Elastic, you're going to tell us how they're going to do that in 15 words or less. But let's just start with data scale. We know it's a big issue. How are agencies starting to break down these data silos that have built up over the years?
1: Yeah, in in your uh, introduction, Jason, you 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 hit the nail on the head, right? Our, Our public sector agencies are trying to understand how to best operationalize their data to support their mission. Uh, needs and, and drive better outcomes for their agencies, whether that's to more effectively deliver health care, process claims, do fraud detection, better enable the warfighter. Uh, you know, in the, in the state and local realm, we're doing a lot of really cool stuff around law enforcement and at the university. So, um, everyone is trying to understand how to operationalize their data and do it at the most efficiently and most cost effectively as possible. And as you mentioned, silos is a huge challenge, right? Um, especially in public sector because of the scale at which our customers operate. Uh, they have data that's in multiple clouds, right? There's data in GCP and AWS and, and Azure. There's data on-prem. There's unstructured data. There's structured data. And how do they effectively operationalize that data across all those silos? And if you look at you know some large agencies that have individual organizations within that agency, each of those agencies, those sub-agencies, have their own data stores as well, and they're not easily accessible at the head end. So. Being able to operationalize data at scale and, and across all of these multiple silos is, is a real challenge. And one of the areas that at Elastic, we really thrive at it really differentiates what we do at Elastic. And, <clears throat> and to put it in the most simplest terms, we're able to take search to the data rather than bring the data to search. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, the, the thinking for a long time is, hey, we have to bring all this data back to a common data store or a centralized location a data warehouse or a data lake and, and search it in that way. And, and that's just not practical for a lot of our large, complex public sector customers. Um, you know, you hear the, the the DOD talk a lot now about their data mesh strategy, right? And the idea of data mesh is, um, again, be able to take the analytics and the search to the data where the data resides and all these different silos, and then bring it, bring just the relevant information back, the results back, to a centralized location. And that's why, if you look at, you know, CIS's decision to standardize an elastic on the CDM dashboard, for example, you have 200 disparate agencies, uh, you know, that, that you want to be able to do that data analysis at those agencies and just bring the relevant information back to the CDM dashboard, and we're able to do that. And that's why we're deployed at scale. And you know, if you look at uh, you know the JRSS dashboard or, or the Army for the first time, the Army has brought together its strategic, and, strategic and tactical environment under a unified SIM architecture. Uh, again, that's powered by Elastic because of our ability to work across those very complex silos.
0: The concept that you laid out. Bring the search to the data, not the data to the search. And I think for so long, I think that's been the the, the problem with search. Right. You, you know, you go to any agency website and it's got to search something. Maybe delve into that a little bit more about how that works, because the idea is, if you have this data lake and you're bringing the tools into the lake, you could be spending hours dredging the lake and not right. finding the dead body. I mean, the the, the data
1: you want. <laughs> right. Exactly. So. Yeah, there was an idea for a long time that, hey, you have to duplicate all of your data. And and then what you're doing is running multiple tools on these. Essentially, you're taking all of your data, duplicating it in a number of instances, and then running separate tools on that data. So essentially, you're paying to access your data from a compute standpoint, from a software standpoint, multiple times. And it's just not scalable. So one of the unique things we do at Elastic is called cross-cluster search. And essentially, we have small clusters that we can put out in an Amazon environment, in a GCP environment, in an Azure environment, in an on-prem environment, and query those clusters and just bring the results back to a centralized location, rather than trying to bring all that data back to a centralized location. And it's much more cost effective. And then the way that we index the data, uh, the way we index the data, and then the way that we license is just much more cost efficient. And then we're doing some really cool things about storage that I'll talk about a little bit later.
0: And the reason why this is important for for not just agencies, but also mission owners and, and industry, but also the users, is it makes search better it makes the ability to, to drive decisions, operationalize, just to use that terminology, the data uh, easier and better. And we're seeing that, you mentioned CDM dashboard as a good example, yeah. is, is when you talk about this operationalization of data, maybe
1: explain to me a little bit about why this approach is, is so helpful to make better use of data. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Look, the, the whole idea of, of operationalizing data at scale to support mission outcome, again, whether it's improved cybersecurity posture, improve threat hunting, improve healthcare outcomes, right? The more data that you can get into that environment and access and normalize, the better your results are, right? The better the outcomes are because, you know, the more data that you you bring into your decision-making process, the better your decisions are going to be on the other end. Um, But in addition to that, if you are trying to implement um, a... Better decision-making process and analytics process across all of the Department of Defense. I mean, the Navy's got its own data store, the Army's got its own data store, the Air Force. Has, so, you know, how can you query all of that data in a common way, right? In a common framework, and be able to garner results across that entire environment? Um, and again, a public sector that's that's a real need. If you look at Health and Human Services and all the optives within Health and Human Services, how can you have a, a unified data strategy again in, in that environment? And that's one of the things that we can do at Alaska.
0: And I'll even go one step further. It's not just all the data stores in DOD or HHS. It's all the data stores across government because as you're seeing more and more, and we saw this over the last every time there's an emergency, a pandemic, a, any sort of effort, it's not just one agency responding. It's it's HHS with CDC and FDA. It's right. okay. Oh, we also need DOD with the Defense Protection Act, and we, oh, we also yep. need the White House, and and then that's driving that ability to, to say okay, we're querying that data all in again as you said. One approach.
1: Yeah. And, and again, like the CDM dashboard or the JRSS dashboards are perfect examples, right? You've got 200 civilian agencies that feed information to that CDM dashboard. You can't replicate all that data and bring it back to a centralized location. You need to be able to search that data out at the edge and then just bring the relevant information back. Same with JRSS, right? You've got these massive amounts of data flowing through those those joint regional security stacks and you want to provide that, that dashboard and threat analytics. Um, you you know you can't expect to bring all that data back to a centralized location just doesn't work it you know we're talking a lot about security but that applies to everything else right ai operations or um you know any any data analytics uh search function um we do um are are increasingly doing more with government agencies too around you know the executive order around improving customer experience there's a lot that we can do to uh, improve interaction with government websites and you know leveraging things like large language models and chat GPT to make data more accessible to the citizenry. So there's just a lot of cool stuff that, that um, you know we, we see coming there as well.
0: You almost got through the entire first segment without mentioning chat GPT. <laughs> so uh, almost congratulations there, or you're getting booed on the other end. It's one of the two. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about AI, because I think that's the, the really the key piece here. Is when we talk data, a lot of this will, will, will evolve into AI, but let, let me just ask you, you brought up this idea of you can't replicate your data places. Is that what was maybe the biggest challenge early on? Uh, before maybe even before cloud or even at the early stages of when we when agencies were getting the cloud they were trying to replicate their data too much cuz you always hear well if you don't control your data costs in the cloud they,
1: they could go yeah off the charts yeah moving data in and out of the cloud environments is is very expensive and um you know again you know not not to make this you know all about elastic, but you know with M2131 right and the, you know if you look at Log4j or the Solarwinds vulnerability we had to go back years and be able to look at that data you know, a lot of that data was in long-term storage, where that, that data had to be rehydrated and searched, and it took weeks or months to be able to search that. Um, and, and one of the things, one of these the things that we've done now at Elastic is we index the data before we put it in that long-term storage, so you can you're, you're able to search that even in long-term storage in a matter of minutes, rather than days or weeks, and that you don't have to rehydrate it. But Again, we are able to index and search that data where that data sits rather than trying to replicate everything and bring it back to a centralized location. So, yes, yes to answer your question, um, I, I think the idea that you had to br- you had to say, hey, we're going to put all our data here, we're going to bring everything in, and then you start to realize the cost and the inefficiency of that because of the storage challenges and the things I just mentioned. And, and you can't necessarily put all of your data into a centralized location. So then you have to leave some of the data out. And then again, when you're trying to search data across, across agency, it's really... Uh, difficult to do that.
0: I don't think I've ever heard the term rehydrate your data. Now I'm just going to think of that for Excellent. <laughs> adding your water to mix it up. <laughs> uh, Chris, we're, we're getting close to the break before, uh, and then we're going to jump into the AI discussion. You mentioned early on this idea of structured and unstructured data. and For years, we've been talking about the challenges of really unstructured data. Uh, there's been push by the uh, Office of Management and Budget, Congress, whomever you want to point to to say, you got to know what your data is. Is this idea that of, again, breaking down the silos, bringing the search to the data,
1: is that another way to deal with this challenge of unstructured data? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, there, there are some real advantages of, of having a structured data environment in terms of you know, how you query that data and the batch processing and all that. Uh, But there's a lot of data that we deal with that's unstructured. I mean, log data, for for the most part, is is unstructured, real-time data. So if you're a threat analyst in a security environment, you can't worry about searching your data in a structured environment and doing batch processing on data that's that's been sitting there for some period of time. You need to be able to work in real-time with unstructured data. So, uh, yes, having platforms that can ingest both structured and unstructured data and be able to apply analytics to that data in real-time, there are some... Again, you know, from a from a cyber analyst standpoint, that's that's a necessity. That's not a, a nice to have. That's a must yeah. have.
0: And I think that's part of the issue. You mentioned CDM again. I'll just tag back to that. It's the the dashboard has been something that CISA has definitely celebrated. The fact that they use the dashboard in, in most of the recent cyber events that we've seen that have affected log four j. You mentioned as, as one example. Um, just give me a sense of, of what's that CDM dashboard look like today a little bit,
1: and, and how how is it being used by, by CISA and agencies? Yeah, there was a really cool article that just came out. Uh, it was just in the past week that talked about how the new CDM dashboard is functioning in the way that it was always envisioned to function and being able to, again, do this analysis and remediation real-time and identify threats proactively rather than reactively and do some some uh, proactive remediation. So, um I, I won't be able to do it justice. I'd point everybody to that article and read the article, but um, yeah, they're doing some really cool things with that.
0: Well, you're kind enough not to mention where it came from, but I'll, I'll just give some credit to my colleague Justin Doubleday because <laughs> I think he broke that story. So uh, if people want to find the article, they can find it on federalnewsnetwork.com, shameless plug. Uh, Chris, we're just hitting a break. Uh, let's. Uh, before we do that, let me just uh, maybe open the door a little bit. The reason why we're talking about data and the reason why, beyond the fact everything is data is a new oil, it's really because you have to have good data, you have to have clean data, and you have to have, know where your data is to really start using these emerging technologies. Just give us a little bit of a tease about why the data now is maybe more important than ever, and we know why. But but
1: as we talk more about AI and the like, yeah, you know, if you look at the the, the mission of government and or or private sector for that matter, um, the role that data can play in advancing the mission of government. Whether you know, I talked about some of this earlier. Whether it's better enabling the warfighter on the battlefield or healthcare outcomes. I mean, you hear about how we are now using and I mean, that was always the holy grail. I used to do a lot of work with the VA is how can you mine all of this data with all, you know, 26 million veterans? How do you mine that healthcare data to deliver better outcomes, to be able to solve, to provide better diagnoses and be able to provide better treatment, to be able to get people in a better state of healthcare um, using data, right? And, and, and uh, now the tools exist to be able to really start to do that. So I, I think everybody is, realize what the promise of data was. It was just how do we, you know, as you said, Jason, how do you operationalize the data? How do you clean the data? How do you get access the data to make it uh, usable to be able to, to execute things like, you know, the, the mission of government, you know, improve citizen service delivery. And now with the AI tools that sit on top of that, you know, we don't have enough data scientists, right? We need more data scientists to be able to do the analysis of the data and make the data usable. But gosh, you start to overlay things like the large language models and generative AI on top of these data sets. Uh, it, it really makes the data so much more accessible to everyone. We're going to talk a
0: lot more about why it's so important. We'll talk about AI a little bit when we come back from the break. You're listening to the discussion, Innovation and in Government, sponsored by Carisoft on Federal News Network.
1: Agencies manage massive amounts of sensitive, disparate data. Elastic breaks down these silos by taking the search directly to the data to find answers that matter. Our unified platform is built on the power of AI, to allow your data to work securely for you, generating real-time situational awareness for mission-critical decisions. Elastic is a flexible data company that helps agencies operationalize data like no one else can at speed, scale, and scope. Learn more. Visit Elastic.co.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion, Innovation in Government, sponsored by Carisoft on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Chris Townsend, the Vice President of U.S. Public Sector Sales at Elastic. Chris, before we break, I teased a lot of about AI. Let's jump right in about the, the use of AI. You got to have good data, you got to clean your data, you got to know where your data is, because that's really going to really make your tools that you use for that data, the analytics AI better. Let's just talk a little bit about that use of AI. What are you starting to see? How can
1: agencies really start to take advantage? It, you know, um, All of the agencies are trying to figure out how to use uh, generative AI or large language models, again, in, in advance of the mission. It's, it's a really exciting time. I, I, I believe in it, you know, obviously everyone's talking about ChatGPT and LLMs and Generative AI and how it's going to really change the way that we work with data and we, we interface with our IT systems. Um, and, and I think all of the agencies are, are doing a lot of research now and putting together working groups and trying to figure out how to, how to leverage this technology. Um, and, and we're certainly seeing that at Elastic in, in a whole range of cases. So Elastic is a um, vector search database, right? So I, and I don't wanna to get too in the weeds technically, but uh, essentially these LLMs and, and generative AI, uh, they're designed to run on top of a vector search database. And if you think about what, what ChatGPT does or any LLMs, when you do a search for information in the past, it was keyword based. Now it's, they provide meaning, They, they they look for context in the meaning of what you're asking, the tools. And, you know, you think about how powerful that is, why everybody's so excited about that technology. You know, you're, you're asking these, these AI models a question, and they are putting your question in context and assigning meaning to that question. So it, the information that you get back is so much more relevant. And then the way that they deliver the information is, is so much more relevant. So there's huge application across uh, all of government and, and much of what we do, and we're, we're working on a lot of stuff uh, around that. I know there's
0: several agencies that actually put out policies that have tried to slow down the use of uh, generative AI. When you talk to agency customers, what's what, what's the feeling you get? Do you, they have a lot of questions but no answers? or are looking for answers when it comes to kind of, okay, can I apply this type of technology? How do I do it best? How do I protect both my missionary but also my, the citizens?
1: Yeah, I was just out at the Edge Conference in San Diego a couple of weeks ago and that was a big topic of conversation throughout the discussion. I, I think everyone is... Uh, obviously trying to understand how to best use that technology in a secure way, right? And, and again, that's you know, shameless plug for Elastic, but that's, you know, one of the things that we can really bring to using LLMs in, in, in generative AI within a, a public sector environment. We do have these security controls uh, that we can implement in terms of RBAC and, you know, privacy and all that. So um, figuring out how to put some bounds around that so you don't Unintentionally start to uh, access PII data or, or sensitive data, classified data, is really important. But I also think that you know the, the agencies recognize the, the tremendous potential benefit of being able to access data to do things like improving security posture, doing threat hunting and cyber security, or to providing better access to the citizenry. Uh, you know around the you know the executive order of of improving customer experience. So, um, tons of applications. We're just scratching the surface of the applications of these technologies.
0: You mentioned uh, threat-hunting cyber. Maybe mm-hmm. we should jump into that area too because that's another big area. We've talked a lot about automation for years when it comes to cybersecurity. The the excitement was around AI. It sounds like just based on what you're saying, there's maybe more reality, less excitement, meaning, so, meaning looking forward, it's, it could happen now. How can, for instance, different AI tools really
1: improve an agency's cyber posture? Yeah, I think it's important to think about AI in a couple of different ways it applies to cybersecurity. So, We've been using um, machine learning and AI and our detection engines uh, for years uh, with, within the Elastic platform. And you know, one of the really cool things is we started out as open source. So our, our ML and detection engines are open and we allow our threat analysts to be able to, to make changes to those detection engines and the way they work and customize them for their environment. But those dete- the idea of those detection engines are to allow them to be more proactive in identifying threats, right? So, hey, this hasn't been identified as a threat, but it's acting like a threat. It looks like a threat, right? So AI and ML can play a real a, a real role there. And they, and they could also help our, our analysts scale more effectively. So, and we've been doing that for years. Very important uh, tech and, and a really differentiator in, in some of the things we do at Elastic. Now, LLMs and generative AI, play a different role, right? Uh, You think about the DOD and how they rotate folks through their security operations environment, right? Every three years, and you're bringing in a lot of new folks on a regular basis, and you want to get them up to speed as soon as possible, right? And and allow them to be more capable. You know, with an LLM, you can have a natural language search of a a potential vulnerability or a threat, or uh, use the LLM to query about how to remediate a threat um, and really shorten the time to um, making new analysts effective, right, and and improving their um, their their ramp time, if you will, to be uh, more effective at at their role and be able to remediate threats more effectively. So, um, it, it you know, again, if you think about the power of LLMs and how it makes data more accessible to everyone, uh, it it applies to security as well.
0: The one thing I think people lose sight of is is kind of this idea of okay, I can ask the chat GPT, the generative AI LLM, a question and, and understand. OK, what did I miss? Or as you said, new people come in. Uh, that can also be done for people who, OK, how do I understand what the threat is, how, how it works? That's right. I think there's a lot of benefits there. Is, are you starting to see some agencies apply these technologies or is it still too early? Are we still
1: in the early stages? No, we're absolutely seeing agencies apply those technologies to exactly you know, what you said, so to understand what the threat is, what the potential impact is, what the remediation is. Um, we've actually built in an AI assistant using these uh, in, into our Sim platform already, so it's it's available through our our uh, our Sim platform. We talked a little bit of cyber. Are, are there other
0: areas within the government that you would say these type of models, this type of AI technology can also benefit? Again, understanding that there's still some concern, understanding that there's a lot of questions about it, but there's some immediate kind of we'll call
1: it the low hanging fruit of, of generative AI. Yeah, I haven't. Um... I haven't talked with anyone in the VA or DHA about this in particular, but I've been reading a lot of articles recently about the potential impact of LMS and GPT or uh, uh, GI in a healthcare environment, right? So to help a physician provide a, a faster, more accurate diagnosis of a complex healthcare issue. So, um, yeah, I, I think the the potential of, of this technology in, in government is we're, like I said, we're just scratching the surface, and
0: I think that's why there's so much both excitement about it. Yeah. You, you can't go to a conference, as you said, without you know hearing people talk about it. But at the same time, there's also okay. Well, how do we use it? How do we protect against it? The other piece of this is okay. We have talked a lot about the government's data. They have a yeah. lot of data, but there's also a lot of public data that they could use it against. Is there a balance that they're trying to strike? Is this maybe better for public data right now since it's public data?
1: Yeah, and, and you know, again, I keep feeling like I'm, I'm doing a commercial for Elastic, but one of the really cool <laughs> things that we're doing, uh, Jason, is. Um, th- these large language models are trained on public data. Um, and, you know, we've, we've got private data in the government that we don't want to necessarily expose to the public environment, but yet we want to use the power of these LLMs. Um, Elastic can take the contextual question from the LLM and access securely private data and use the contextual uh, question from the LLM to provide a response just from the data Uh, at that government agency right, that we've exposed to Elastic. So if you think about what the LM does, on the front end, it gives us a really easy way to query the data. On the back end, it explains the data in a very digestible way for a human. And in between, where do they get that answers to that information? We can be that answer to the information so we can reach back into a government agency and securely, in a controlled way, provide that data back to the LM to get a response without taking confidential data and putting it out into the public environment. Is there a way to
0: filter through that to say, okay, this potentially could have a social security number? Or... Absolutely, yeah,
1: one hundred percent. We we have you know filters down to field level and uh, on, on documents and information, so we can we can do that today. Uh, it, but yes, absolutely, and we could provide role based access control, so you can only you can segment the data that you're accessing, so you're not accessing the entire data source. So there's all kinds of cool field control level data that we uh, that field control that we could do around the data so that we're not accidentally sharing something that wasn't intended
0: i remember years ago the whole uh, concept and you probably will laugh at this a little bit is mosaic effect if I bring a little bit from you and a little bit from here, also I'll learn something that maybe I shouldn't know. Does that come up at all anymore? Is that even a concern? With or have we gotten past that? Yeah,
1: kind of I, I, I broad think I think that's a very real concern right now. With in, in you know at, at that conference I was at a couple of weeks ago, there was a lot of discussion around private LLMs, right? So training uh, LLM models within just a private environment to prevent that commingling of public data with private data, and and I think you'll see some of the agencies that are. Um, you know very security conscious probably move in that direction but still use the technology but just use it in a l- more limited data set right more controlled i think as well controlled. where they know what's happening and where wh- wh- how the
0: applications happening um, chris i want to go uh, one last thing in the in the, f- in the few minutes we have left agencies are on their data journey we, we, you know as i talked about earlier the federal data strategy is almost you know more than 4 years old now We've been talking about data. I want to say since like two thousand eight, when you know this idea of the data is the new oil started to pop up. What can they do to kind of really start to take advantage of this, of not just AI tools, but more take advantage of that data to
1: operationalize it better, faster, more easily? Yeah. So all agencies have been working since the since the data strategy was published to figure out how to better operationalize and use their data. And there's a lot of uh, companies out there that have popped up to to help with that in a lot of different areas. And I think we're starting to see a lot of Convergence and and building um, more cohesive agency-wide data strategies. I think we saw the use of data in pockets, and you know, if you had an operations group over here that was doing fraud detection, they may be using, they may be indexing and using their data for something over here. The cybersecurity folks may be using it. The you know customer experience folks may be using it. But now agencies are looking at, hey, what what should we be doing agency-wide, enterprise-wide in terms of our data strategy? What tools should we be consolidating out? Why are we indexing? and our data over and over duplicating our data, paying for multiple storage solutions, paying for multiple tools to index the same data repeatedly. So I I think we're seeing a lot of consolidation uh, around data and seeing a lot of consolidation of the tool sets so that they can buy one tool set and be able to use multiple, you you think everybody wants to be a platform, right? We talk about what a data platform is, but really implement a data platform with multiple uh, third party solutions that can sit on top of that platform that can use that data in different ways. I think your point about breaking down the silos, which we talked
0: about earlier, and understanding from an enterprise wise perspective is really being driven both by from the data strategy and of, as well as the evidence-based policy making act. I think you know everyone kinda of likes to blame Congress a little bit for too many laws or not the right laws. Here's a couple that a couple ideas that are really driving this this change. For agency customers, is there something that they're doing maybe time and again that you're like, okay,
1: if if you can avoid yeah. trying to bite the apple and eat the apple in one bite type of, of Yeah, I, I, and I think the agencies are really moving in this direction. You know, most agencies now have a chief data science officer that are looking at the, the data strategy holistically across the agency. But but yes, you know, most customers that I talk to, especially in the C-level, whether they're CISOs or, or chief information officers, are are the cost of managing their data have become untenable. Yep. So it's, hey, how do we... Continue to operationalize this data to support the mission, but do it in a really cost-effective, more efficient way, and. Um I guess what I would say is the pothole to avoid is stop buying all the shiny object tools and kind of taking a step back. We went through this, you know, I've been in cybersecurity for a long time. We went through the same thing in cybersecurity, right? Every shiny object tool that popped up, you know, we buy those we'd put them out. And in, 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 in some cases, it was necessary because that's the way that the threats were evolving. But we, we saw a real kind of step back on the cybersecurity side and say, okay, how do we build a, an integrated security model and, and, and start to reduce our costs and, and, and tool sprawl and be more operationally efficient? I think we're seeing that same evolution right now in data. All right. Well,
0: you and I will continue to talk about this because this is a hot topic for sure. But unfortunately, we have time for today. So let me thank my guest. Chris Townsend is the vice president of U.S. public sector sales at Elastic. Chris, always a pleasure to catch up. Thanks for your time, Jason. Really appreciate it, as always. I'm Jason Miller. And you've been listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Innovation. Thank you for listening to the Innovation and Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com, keyword innovation.